welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. This episode is brought to you by our partners at Dive. Dive is a fully outsourced BI as a service solution, providing an enterprise grade data platform and services for gaming studios on all platforms. Dive's BI tools and service of data experts replace the need for a full in-house BI team, saving studios hundreds of thousands of dollars yearly. If you're interested in learning how Dive can unleash the power of data in your game's business and save money doing so, simply head to dive.games or check out the details in the show notes. And with that, let's jump into the episode. All right, so welcome everybody to another episode of our Data Corner series. Today we have... Uh, two uh, levies on the on the podcast so uh, Elad Levy uh, who's the founder and CEO of Dive he's back on and uh, we also have the second levy whose voice you might recognize from our round tables uh, Tammy Levy um, and since um, yes yeah, so this is this is also kind of like the first time uh, you know uh, all three of us are kind of together <laughs> on uh, on on a virtual meeting i guess we can jump into intros very quickly um, so yeah, maybe we can just start with Elad. So Elad, uh, you know, just as a quick refresher for our listeners, maybe uh, you could just qu- quickly tell us about yourself, uh, what Dive does, and you know how it's kind of helping game developers uh, of make more successful games. Uh, we are. I'm a 20 years entrepreneur in the games industry with uh, multiple exits, and the uh, last company that I've started uh, five years ago, Dive, is providing. Many people call us BI as a service, which is basically we build custom data solutions for uh, different companies in different industries. And over time, we added a whole set of live ops tools to help uh, game studios maximize their LTVs, which include integrations with CRM, segmentation, A-B testing, and a lot of other goodies. Uh, That is it in in a nutshell. Awesome, and uh, and Tammy, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of uh, been a while since uh, you know you told listeners about your background and what you're doing today. So maybe uh, maybe today is uh, today is the day to <laughs> refresh everybody <laughs> about uh, about you and uh, what you're doing in the industry. Yeah, so uh, I am part of the of the roundtable crew, which is always super fun um, to to record. Uh, I am currently the chief games officer at a startup called Captain TV, where we're making um, games for community. So basically games that uh, communities can really come together and play together. And not only that, but play with uh, streamers in a way that is kind of like a very authentic interaction between streamers and their communities and really help streamers grow their community, foster their community. Uh, before that, uh, I spent many years at Congregate and um, touched a, a lot of different things at, at Congregate, but always with a with a good serving of data. Uh, even you know, at some <laughs> point, I spent a few years uh, um, 
focus just on our data pipeline and kind of rebuilding our infrastructure and making sure that that was uh, robust and uh, very much alongside with what Elad was saying, right? Like just making sure that we're capturing the right data that we have, um, that it's also some in, in a way that it can be repeatable. So as we launch other games, you know, we can take what we've already built from one game to another. So think about it as much more as a system than a one-off um, and really expand our understanding on how what to measure, how to measure, optimize our LTBs and empower PMs, um, UA managers, et cetera. So when Manu, you said, let's, let's talk data, I was like, Sign me up. I'm yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, you said I, I didn't even read the outline, and I'm uh, I'm ready for this episode. So that was already a good sign. And uh, and yeah, I remember I think on a on a very old roundtable when Anthony also joined us, uh, Anthony Pacarella, who you worked with that congregate. Uh, I, his one line description of Tammy was uh, she likes to measure everything I still remember that line <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so yeah you're you're the perfect uh, guest uh, for today you know with uh, alongside Elad um, great um, so I guess yeah maybe maybe with that you know we can kind of um, jump into today's topic of discussion which is essentially dri- driving ROI with uh, data analysis and you know, it's a it's a it's a very broad topic that um, super broad. I think yeah, many understand. Yeah, <laughs> super broad topic. I think many in the industry also understand quite instantly. You know that it has a lot of value, um, but not so many people maybe understand like how to engineer it. Uh, you know, in their gaming studios. So we'll be trying to like you know dig into that a little bit more, and you know. A mix of strategic and you know tactical uh, discussions today. Um, at least for me, uh, the kind of the way I think about ROI from data analysis, it you know it just goes beyond simply analyzing the data, but really you know ends up covering the entire activity funnel. So, for example, you know it wouldn't be ROI effective uh, when product teams don't know how to talk to the data team, or data teams don't know how to showcase results to the marketing team, or Another example would be, you know, how data ana- analysis cannot occur if budgets aren't allocated properly or the proper data tooling doesn't exist uh, across various teams. So, yeah, it's it's a really like bigger topic in my eyes. And in uh, in today's episode, we'll just try to understand like, you know, various parts of this uh, entire value chain. But uh yeah, to kind of uh, kick it off, um, I'll start with a very broad question. So feel free to answer it, you know, how how you guys uh, see fit. Uh, we can dig into like separate parts. But yeah, the first question is, you know, from uh, or something that I just think about a lot is how should game teams really think about setting up their data pipelines, teams and budgets? Uh, so yeah, like I said, broad question can take it one by one. Uh, but yeah, maybe Eli, if you'd like to go first. Yeah, I I am a huge fan of keeping things lean, as lean as possible, uh, because um, it can be small game studios, it can be big game studios. Some years are just they just suck, and uh, the only way to survive them is to keeping things lean. So, I would start with whatever solution is out there, like making it simple and easy to just get the first basic API, 
because that is all need that that's basically all is needed when the game is in, is starting and then it unfolds over time you know and LTV live ops and, uh, progression systems churn uh, monetizing things further so this is it's it's a process it's an iterative process that just takes time but I I personally like keeping everything lean and like to stay on the safe side because there's a lot of buzzwords and noise noise out there and to be honest every company ends up with their own kind of flavor of data with their own tools and their own people and different people has different opinions it's like it's art in a way uh, everyone paints in a different uh, style and color so I mm -hmm. just, you know, would approach it lean and slowly. And, uh, you know, as the game evolves and more budget is available, then you can start considering uh, adding more, um, I don't know, people, tools. Complexity. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Right. Yeah, and I think that one to jump jump off of that. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned is like it's an iterative process, and that's always how I've thought about it. You know, when in the early days uh, of like developing what we called our, our kind of standardized schema back at Congregate, we thought about it in even that way of having tiers of analytics that we're tracking and having mm. something that's like very easy to understand in terms of you know early on, what do we actually need to measure in the game? Let's only set up analytics for that piece. So talking about, you know, can think about it as a funnel or you have to have a, like a real goal of what you want to measure at what stages. And that really is going to be a good guiding principle on how much complexity to add. Like you don't need to have hooks for all of your game economy when you're mm -hmm. first launching the game and just seeing our player is going to come back for another session. Like if that's a question they're trying to answer, you don't need, you know, a bajillion different hooks and <laughs> tracking and granularity and segmenting. That's so true. <laughs> so I, yeah, le less is more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think that part part of it also comes with like being true. Um, it's kind of like a little bit of a chicken and egg with the things that you ask, man. You have your team versus your budget. Uh, but you have to be true to yourself about, am I going to act on this data? Like, Do I have people who can look at this data, understand it, and act on it? If not, don't collect it. Don't even bother. I mean, yes, you can collect it and have it for a later date. But you're, you're, um, you have to be true to yourself, to the, the size of the team, what your capabilities are, how much are you going to be able to act on that data, and from there, decide what tool should you use to instrument, you know, your your data pipeline. I think that teams that have gone through the process multiple times will probably have a stronger feeling of implementing and <laughs> instrumenting their own data pipeline. For newer teams, I would always, or even when you're a startup or early on, I would always recommend, uh, even if you've been around in, in experience, like find a tool that helps you capture that data very easily, very quickly, um, because you'll have the data to empower you. 
and continue mm-hmm. iterating quickly, you can make things mm-hmm. complex from there as much as you want, right? Like you, you can add complexity and layers of complexity at any time. No, I love what Tammy said because that's I had we had several cases like that that we meet clients and the developers decided to track I know hundreds of events. Now, more events is more complexity because it's more data, it's more storage, it's more QA because someone should actually validate that this data is correct. So every event yeah. that you add is more QA, even though a lot of people are ignoring it. So it's very often for us to just delete everything and say, okay, let's take, I know, 20 events, the basic stuff, you know, the really the basic mm-hmm. things, just a few, like a handful of events. In in our case, in the case of Dive, the SDK, and that happens also with many other uh, companies. Firebase also does it out of box. They, uh, they track the sessions and engagement and... Uh, retention so it, it's not you, you don't even need to like send any custom events but i i really that that's that's a great point that tammy mentioned like keeping it like to the bare minimum at least in the beginning is is best practice yeah yeah and i mean i've also like had you know um yeah many many conversations with other developers in the industry who um Sometimes they also kind of, uh, they they would wear it as a badge of honor when they say, when the question is asked, okay, like, you know, what are you tracking on the data? And the answer is, we track everything. <laughs> but, and you know, it, it's, no, it's that is, with that a is lot of pride. horrible. Um, no, no, I don't like, please don't say that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hurting my ears. Uh, no, we track yeah. everything. It's, and another <laughs> thing that is, um, is I see that is happening very often is that developers think they understand data. And Mm -hmm. there is a huge difference between someone that works with data and is a data engineer and knows how to properly collect it and clean it and normalize it. And the developer that just sends events and say, yeah, it's data is easy. You know, we'll just send all the events and see what happens. And then, you know, then upper management relies on that data. And one of the, you know, they wake up one morning and the dashboards are incorrect or, or they cannot rely on it or the KPI are wrong. And then they go to, you know, they make a PowerPoint out of that and go to a VC and try to raise funds on, on something that is a complete mess. And I've seen that happening mm-hmm. over and over also in MNAs. Uh, they, when they do due diligence and they start digging into the company's financials, nothing makes sense. Like not, not even the Apple store mm-hmm. purchases do not make sense with their basic reports. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's really, right. really recommended to take it step by step and slowly. Yep. 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 I think, I think that's great advice, you know, uh, depending on, uh, the team that you have, uh, the money that you have and the measurement goals that you have, you know, uh, essentially track what you need. Uh, and then as the game, if the game like, you know, crosses the next gate and as it evolves, keep tracking more of what you need and increase complexity slowly. So I think, I think that makes sense. And probably it's a piece of advice that, you know, applies, to both startups and, you know, the bigger companies uh, instead of, you know, uh, this problem may actually occur more in big companies where it's just, you know, the same 
we did this on the old game so we should just probably track everything on the new game but you know uh, if it's starting with a small team then you know you, yeah people don't have the time to look at all that data so anyway yeah sound sound advice um so i guess yeah so you know that that I, that's like really like the you know the top of the funnel question for me uh, you know how teams kind of think how teams should think about their data pipelines teams and uh, budgets uh, but you know once let's say that okay now the team has kind of set up everything in in this you know lean fashion um how the next question is kind of okay you know the processes uh, itself and like how teams uh, are actually functioning with all of this so what what maybe there's a question for Tammy first um but you know how what would your advice or thinking be around you know day to day week to week month to month quarter to quarter data processes for you know teams of different sizes that's that's a great question and i think that it um so first of all it definitely depends on the stage of your game those mm-hmm. processes like yes there's going to be like some good routines that you set up in place and processes that probably apply to any type of uh kind of games at, at all stages but it's very different if you're testing say test market soft launch early on like those routines will look very different than when you're first launching the game trying to get you know potentially grow the game Mm-hmm. Um, start to get into kind of like your live ops cadence. And then once you get into live ops cadence, like that's that gets into a much more like routine, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, like predictable routine. Um, mm-hmm. You you effectively should get, get to that. But it goes, I think it also goes back to um, the question of like, what, what are the goals, right? Like what, what are your goals? every mm-hmm. every day and what can you act act on right so you're not going to mm-hmm. be checking metrics on a daily basis like you could you could get obsessed refreshing dashboards but looking at metrics that uh you can't act you know today if if it's something yeah. that it's not going to give me information that i can act on today it should not be part of like my my daily routine right and of course there's like some best in class um I wouldn't even say best in class, but like standardized uh, metrics that you look at and dashboards that you would look at these days um, in most companies, right? Like you want to, every day you just want to be monitoring the health of your game. You don't want to come, you know, wake up one morning and see, you know, DAU has tanked uh, and not, (laughs) you know, have it go for like, two, three days and not not have a flag or not realize that that's yeah, happening, right? It. So mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. look at like your daily daily metrics and uh, make sure that your your game is doing well. It's it's stable. It's de- like, you know, you're able to identify any odd behavior uh, from the baseline that you're expecting. Um, mm-hmm. From there, when once you go into like week to week, month to month, it really depends on the cadence of the game. Right. So on a weekly basis, like I think that that's where like the unique live ops for for each game start hitting. Right. So if you if you launch weekly Mm -hmm. events, you want to make sure that your weekly events are performing as as you expect. Um, And here it's also where you start tying user acquisition. Right. Like user acquisition has to be part of those routines uh, because Mm -hmm. 
know, I've, I've seen it many times where you have your PMs that have like a, a very good like routine. They come in, they check their dashboards, you know, they see, let's do ARBDAO as, as like a, a, a blanket metric that can be controversial because some people love it, some people hate it. But let's say you're ARBDAO <laughs> tanks and, you know, they're freaking out, right? Like they triggered an event uh, or, a, or a, you know, they did. They had something scheduled in their live ops. Arbed out tank. Oh my god, their hair hair's on fire. Uh, and what happened was that you know your user acquisition team was trying some new campaigns, and mm-hmm. you know they brought in a bunch of kind of low quality, unqualified cohort of of users. Uh, and like the answer would be very simple if if you're like have the right processes and and communicating between you know the different folks that are like really servicing the game um yeah so i'd say like that looks like at your weekly and and starts to <laughs> yeah. expand to I've, monthly i've had yeah I've, I've had that uh issue happen to me many times where my entire day or even two days sometimes even three days completely blew up because you know just the interact like you know something like this up down tanked or some metric uh tanked and you know uh, a full you know what's the word like a full wide scale investigation was you know initiated <laughs> and uh, but if the teams just talked a little bit more uh, you know could have maybe figured it out in a few hours uh, and uh, versus like three days so but but yeah that that makes sense uh, you did bring up one interesting point about you know um, I think it's a very good distinction that you made about uh, th- how to think about these processes you know, during a soft launch versus, you know, during the first three months of launch versus like, you know, the more cadence uh, live ops. Uh, we can come back to that. But um, um, but yeah, Elad, uh, what, uh, what, what, what's your thought on, on, on you know, this uh, setting up data well, processes? Uh, I think different stages mm-hmm. is the like key here because, mm-hmm. you know, early stage games, I, you know, DAU is not even relevant. I prefer looking at, uh, wow, at weekly active users and MAU and MAU, WAU and MAU, because there, there is not enough volume for the daily trends. So it's, it's, I just prefer seeing it on a weekly level. And then as the, yeah, as you start pumping more traffic, you can look at the daily trends. Obviously, I like a simple, PDF, Excel, and table that shows numbers and trends. Like the last, Mm -hmm. for example, uh, uh, two weeks on a daily chart, you can see that without even a graph, just to see. And then a small indicator saying if you're going up, if you're going down uh, against the average, so that you can see if something happened, because what Tammy mentioned happens a lot in bigger companies, because the UA team is completely disconnected from the other teams or I know one of the developers decided that he wants to push something to production because they have this cool new process where you can push to production whenever you want and all of a sudden some something is not mm-hmm. working or the churn is spiking. But those are a ton of metrics that you add in like later stages because if if you have a you know a sourcing money in money money out a memo dashboard 
that you can see if, for example, there is a, you know, you, you source too many coins because some crazy bug filtered in in the back end or the new version, then revenue drops all of a sudden. Or yes, if there is a marketing campaign sending their own traffic, obviously it will affect. It's very funny, you know, like if, if you send the, uh, like horrible traffic, the retention is horrible. And if you send quality mm -hmm. traffic, the retention is amazing. So I, I really like looking at retention in, in a segmented way, according to marketing channels or according even to a specific feature, because sometimes, I know, people who finished an achievement the first day or played a specific game mode in the first day will lead to way higher retention than people who have not done so. So it's, it's all... Um, coming down to the, the stage and the metrics that you add over time, uh, going back to the iterative process that we mentioned over and over, you cannot mm -hmm. just throw all the KPIs in one time because mm -hmm. uh, no one will look at, I'm, there was, I used to write, I'm sorry for the parenthesis. I used to write, uh, but you said it's a casual uh, conversation. So I'm, I'm letting myself yeah. uh, be, <laughs> Uh, I used to write, yep, yep. Um, I actually started in cybersecurity many years ago, and I used to write a lot mm -hmm. of procedures and standards and uh, documentation. And one of the things I've learned about was that the, the goal of a document is to be read. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> right. I think that this is correct for a dashboard as well, because if you build a dashboard and no mm -hmm. one is looking at it, <laughs> then it's kind of useless. Mm -hmm. Useless, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. Got it. All right. Yeah. So can I so yeah, can I jump real quick? Um yeah, I think that it, there's like it, three Danny. three elements there that um I think are super important. Uh from from my experience that I think touch on, on a bunch of the things that Eli was saying, but um one is understanding your trends. Uh two is understanding how you segment your um your players and the metrics that you're looking at. And this can be for like all the way to the top for like just executive reporting and, you know, going super granular into the game specifically. And the third mm -hmm. one is um, data that is good. Like you start segmenting so easily like, um, cohort sizes. Like that's, that's one example of like data that is good and like actually will give you information. Uh, yeah, you mm -hmm. can segment players, you can have, uh, be looking at like say weekly trends and then you you look under the hood of like how how the dashboard was built <laughs> and you're going off of like 50 players and you're seeing like these these bumps and drops and bumps and drops yep. and trying to act on that and it's like you know what you're not you're not getting any significant data here so uh, back to the back to the less is more. Uh, you also have to understand mm -hmm. what that means in <clears throat> in terms of like just good data hygiene and good data practices. Makes sense. Makes sense. So yeah, I I, I want to take it back to like one um, one thing you mentioned, Tammy. Uh, you know, when thinking about data processes, apart from you know being um, 
yeah, having the less is more mindset or also kind of, you know, starting lean and then, you know, adding complexity over time, depending on the goals and what you want to measure and the stage of the game. Um, the stage of the game uh, specifically was quite an interesting, you know, uh, delineation that you made. And it sounded like, you know, um, there's a chance of more chaos uh, existing uh, in a soft during the soft launch period versus you know a live ops period where you know people have you know learned about the game maybe the team has expanded you know uh, processes have kind of evolved learnings have been disseminated and it's just more of a, you're more on a treadmill and versus like in a soft launch where you're kind more of mature. like the game is more mature. Yeah, so more mature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Arpupu so, is more stable. The, it's of course everything is yeah. more. The KPIs are more. So, so yeah. So like I mean, on the soft launch side of it, you know, if if this chaos or this imminent chaos is kind of foreseeable, um, how do you for soft launches specifically during that period? How how what what would you kind of think about to you know not result in wastage of time for you know when looking at the data given your example which was perfect which is you know a cohort size of 50 people resulting in you know all these kinds of bumps uh, and you know uh, essentially teams and you know leadership kind of pulling their hair out because of it so how yeah during soft launch process how would you think about like the data process setup i think that this um there's actually like when we talk about like even soft launch here's especially actually especially during soft launch there has to be like a very strong delineation between a big team with a big budget and a small team with not a lot of budget because uh, that's you know it's gonna give you completely different capabilities of of what you can measure how many players can you drive into the game and just starting from that very kind of key point of like how many players can you drive into the game how many players can you acquire mm -hmm. that will inform you know how how you operate during your soft launch how much can you measure um also in terms of you know your own resources uh team budget team pressures etc it's like how quickly will you go from soft launch to uh global launch right like do you, do you have the resources to just keep iterating to measure day seven, day 30, like really get into kind of deeper into, you know, the funnel, which a lot of teams are advocating for these days because, you know, we've, as an industry, we've been too focused on like optimize day one, optimize day one, optimize day one is like, and, and then what happens, right? So mm -hmm. I agree with like the sentiment of like, hey, we need to look beyond that, but that's like a luxury that big teams with big budgets have. So runway, Small you need teams. runway for that. Yeah, you yeah you need runway, right? It's like if you're you if you have six to twelve months runway, um, just to to throw a number out there, uh, you're not going to be able to get that deep into a funnel before you want to start, you know, actually yeah. like launching game, getting you know monetizing the game, etc. So. I think like that delineation is like super important. Um, mm -hmm. But even with, you know, taking a step back away from that is what are the goals of, of it goes back to goals always for me. It's like, what are the goals of your soft launch? What do you want to measure? What do you want to answer? What do you want to prove and have a plan ahead of time? Like actually plan, have the questions that you want answered 
uh, understand what data do you need to answer those questions and uh, can you actually act on it, right? It's like, if if you're not going to iterate on the tutorial, like, don't fool yourself in collecting every single step of the tutorial uh, <laughs> funnel. If you're, like, if you're like, no, my tutorial's good, we're just not going to change it, or for whatever reason, right? But, uh, so have a very clear goal in mind of, like, what are you going to measure? Can you actually iterate on it and act on the the data that you gather from you know that that part of the game or you know you, like have a, a strategy starts with having a strategy um having your goals setting targets and back to like the good data practices how many players do you need to be able to get a significant result for whatever you're trying to measure um which is why for example like monetization becomes like pretty hard to measure for a lot of teams during soft launch because if you think about I don't think, yes it's, you know, it's a mistake to look at monetization in the beginning it's like is your you you need like a huge 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 user pool yes. for it to be like a significant measure uh so if i've always you know my my philosophy around monetization, especially like during early, like when you first put into the game and like early soft launch, it's always been like, if there's purchase happening, that's a good. Sign. That's happiness for a soft launch. That's happiness, right? It's like yeah, so, it like amazing. I'm not gonna look like the number won't tell me anything, right? Like, but right. people right. are purchasing. Yes, they're interested in the right. game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to add a few things here. I would actually want to like uh, bring it down to actual KPIs. I love looking at rolling mm-hmm. retention in the beginning because sometimes people mm-hmm. do not necessarily come back the next day. So it's mm-hmm. easier to, uh, it's an easier KPI to explain to VCs for your next round. And um, <laughs> uh, engagement, session length, uh, those are things that you do not need D28, forget about LTV mm-hmm. and ROI, and this is like not the time, monetization, definitely not the time. Uh, I would focus on session length and, you know, uh, rolling retention, engagement, and maybe no more than D7, you know, because right. it's, it all takes time, you know, e- every UA burst that you do takes time to see how it affects like people stay they do not stay and then there's a huge feedback maybe not for this topic or maybe not for this um, podcast but there's a huge feedback that comes from the community yep Uh, a huge feedback because sometimes a handful of players can give you a ton of information that data will not because data will probably need more volume so if you have a, I know, a Discord channel, a Facebook fan page, somewhere, somehow you communicate with those players, you will get a ton of insight for a, for a very, like, for a fraction of the price of a, having a huge team. So uh, I would probably, you know, focus on those metrics, at least in the beginning. Yep, yep, make total yeah. sense. And one one thing that I would carry there with at least in in how you know from from conversations with teams in general is like when you think about retention, like just know what kind of retention because you said like like oh I would focus on like measuring rolling retention. 
um, you know, there's different points of view, like how should you even measure retention, rolling hard, you know, all sorts of different uh, formulas around it. You just need to understand what it's t- like the, the way that you're calculating. Why does it what is it telling you? Um, so rolling retention, for example, like it, it helps you more understand churn, right? Like I'm not like specifically measuring like the the day one, day seven, da 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 that a lot of teams post and like you're aiming for like that that gold standard of like, oh, they hit that that retention. But it's like, oh, I'm just like I want to understand how um where churn is and like that type of measurement will give you that. Uh, but kind of yeah. Also putting it in like more concrete, as as you were saying that um, other pieces that I would add in there. Um, also look at you know crash rates. Like we're talking about like deeper in the yeah. game metrics. <laughs> you need to have metrics to know that players can load the game, players can start the tutorial, right? So from load to tutorial, nothing is like blowing up. Yeah. Uh, non-playing DAU, I call it. Yeah, yeah. So you need to make sure, you know. Ah, okay, okay, got it. No, no, it's a very important metric. Like, how many people, like, are, like, logging and doing nothing in the game? You you would be surprised Mm -hmm. by the huge amount of people that just, you know, open the game and then do nothing. And that means that something, like, they don't integrate, like, engage with the core loop. So not playing mm-hmm. DAU is is a excellent metric, and crash rates mm-hmm. obviously. Please begging to everyone to not use the free crash tools. They suck. And, uh, <laughs> the ones that are paid, they're not that expensive, but you can hook up the player ID there, and you can get way more information about the, the like the the timeline of what happened exactly in the game before it crashed. So, yep. St- Makes sense. It's, it's really, <clears throat> it's worth it. All right. Cool. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. So don't, um, I guess, yeah, don't, don't focus on the metric itself, but focus more on the actual purpose behind the metric instead, uh, <laughs> or understand that first and then, <laughs> and then choose your metric list. But I guess that would be a key takeaway then. Um, but yeah, let, let's, uh, let's kind of then move on from, you know, the processes. So, you know, um, there are after these processes are kind of laid out, uh, the teams essentially need to work with them, and and yeah, you know, data teams usually have, or they sh- I would say should have, you know, a one too many relationship within a company, um, and you know where they're talking to, uh, you know, the designers and PMs and UA specialists, leadership, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, it's not. Uh, it's not always been perfect. I would say I'm not even sure if it's reached a great state today versus 10 years back. But, you know, if how how would you guys kind of think about, you know, how these relationships should be set up? How should they be set up and what should they kind of look like uh, in, you know, these one to many relationships between the data team and the rest of the departments in the company? Uh, maybe Elad, you can take that first. I can give you a, an example of the experience I had with um, House of Fun and Playtica because I had the luxury mm. of see how a games grows from zero to top grossing hundreds of millions of dollars annual. Mm-hmm. And 
we used to separate that to two main functions, uh, BA and BI. BA would hmm. be business analysts, data analysts, data scientists, etc. BI would be data engineering, maybe reporting, like doing all the... BI is the ugly side of data. Data engineering in general is the ugly side of data. So mm-hmm. product managers, you like marketing guys, upper management, everyone would would speak with the BA team, with the data analyst, with the business analysts. Mm-hmm. And um, usually if they started poking them every day for the same report, then the BA would ask the BI guys, the data engineering guys, hey, can you please automate mm-hmm. this report for me? Because data engineers are kind of like developers that understand data, but data analysts Mm -hmm. are more connected to the business side. So um, I actually think that product manager and data analyst is like a a very healthy relationship that the the product manager drives him insane every day about, I know, uh, extract this population. I want to see a correlation to this feature or that feature. I want to see, I, we launched that. Let's see how it works. There's like constant communication and questions that are mm-hmm. going back mm-hmm. and forth. And I think it's a healthy relationship, but that's like the main so was, two uh, was, functions. Was, was this a delineation? It's a very interesting structure. Um, I don't think we like back at Zynga, at least it, it never used to be like that. Uh, or any of the companies I've worked at, to be honest. Um, but is, uh, like, apart from, you know, Playtika or, you know, uh, these roles being seen slightly differently in terms of what their purpose is, did the BA team also kind of act as a filter to the BI team, you know, as, as of course, uh, almost like, you know, managing managing the BI team and um, not managing, you know, what but they work on and it's, such? Or? It's a different skill set. I mean... Like the, the most okay. annoying thing that I get is we are going to hire a data guy. That's like the most annoying title I've heard in the games industry. Yeah, we have a data guy. <laughs> what 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 is a data guy? They're, they're like data engineers are developers in a way that write mm. code all day. And their career is completely different from a data analyst who went in the university through, I know, studied statistics or... Maybe they have a math background if they're doing data science, but let's say that developers are com- not connected to the business usually at all. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they need like, uh, they're isolated and they focus on what they need to do. Like they need to move this from point A to point B. They need to compress that. They need to normalize that. Those are all like stuff that requests that are coming from normally data analysts. Because mm-hmm. data analysts are not developers, so they are like, they say, okay, I, I need you to prepare me this table, the snapshot of this table every morning. Okay, fine, we can do that. Or I need you to automate this report. But they're not, the skill set is different and they're not, it's not a, a business function. But I think that I like grouping all the, let's say, business analysis BA in one group, let's say data analysts, data scientists, because Mm -hmm. that group also marketing data analysis, you know, obviously the the guys that work with the UA managers, they will understand the business better and then separate the data engineering, 
BI mm. uh, to another group that will focus on the picks and shovels of you know the tools, the database size, the compressions, the backups, the maintenance, the waking up at night when the uh, process fails, etc. So right. again, that's my from my experience that worked really well. Yeah, yeah, there, there's there's overlap there, and I think that that's why also people get get confused, right? Like a someone mm-hmm. who's a data scientist, like kind of lives somewhere in this this that's world true. where they can do some like yeah. engineering work. Like they could potentially do some like a, if it's not like super complex and you're building a whole data pipeline, they could do a lot of like the data engineering work. Yes, but I I, I wouldn't uh, wake them up data. at night. That's like that's how I see it. I mean, I'm I'm I was a CTO all my life, so for me, like the, I I always try to aim to waking up as less as possible at night, and you know, <laughs> analysts and scientists that's, uh, that's are not the one <laughs> are not the one that I would wake up at night. Data engineer on the other side, yes, if there if an ETL fails, if a process fails, and someone needs to wake up, he he will be the one that we will need to wake up because that that you know. The, yeah. the, the, the data, data is not flowing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I think yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I think it's like what what is the core responsibility between like a data engineer versus a data scientist versus a data analyst versus a business kind of like a BI or BA analyst. Um, the the other thing, and I think it's just like a one one piece that I've noticed as well is that even when we talk about data analysts, so let's say like you have your whole pipeline, data is ready for use and consumption, right? Like it, it all works well over here, like the technical pieces are are working well. So you're, you have your data in a way that can be manipulated, consumed and utilized. Even then there's different uh, flavors of data analysts. And I think that back to what you were saying, that of like, oh, I just have a data person. Um, it's, it's, it's so hard to say that because it's data it's guy, like, the data guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you, your your data analysts have like different strengths. Like I've, I've worked with data analysts who are really, really good at dashboarding and like they, they actually love it. Right. So they're live and, and breathe, you know, building dashboards that can be consumed by others and, you know, making sure that that works beautifully versus data analysts that like doing deep dive analyses and like you come with like a very complex question and like they like going in and you know pulling the data and manipulating how do i answer it's another it's another talent you know building amazing dashboards is another talent it's a completely different talent reporting is like another world yes there's so many (laughs) roles in data then it, that it's definitely not a data guy. It's I, I think that's the key <laughs> takeaway. It's not, it's a not data your guy. one data, your one yeah, data, it's data not, guy. It's not. It's a myth that one guy can do it all. No, it's not working like that. <laughs> even the quality, <laughs> the, the even the QA. Is. No one is paying attention to the QA. I mean, it took us months to educate the QA teams how to finish a session and again, then go over the the events to see if the data is correct because someone needs to do QA of the of the events that that you're sending. So data QA, mm-hmm. data quality, data integrity, this is another huge problem and something and a role you can say 
you know, in Platico, right. I remember we had just, we had we had two people just doing QA, like full time, mm -hmm. and uh, in Dive we automated this. We we added like a data validation function in our dashboard because it's really annoying to mm -hmm, do data mm -hmm. QA, but. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I mean, all, all, I mean, Platica, I mean, it just kind of uh, also goes to show, uh, you know, where, uh, where the reputation that they have in terms of, you know, um, yeah, just being very particular about uh, their data and, you know, applying their data to drive uh, results, uh, this reputation that they have built, and it's a great, great one you know, where, where this reputation is rooted. So they had this uh, very interesting story and good to understand. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think uh, <laughs> the data guy myth <laughs> is, uh, is, is also data kind guy. of interesting. Cool. All right. We're, we're actually like running up on time and there are, there, are, uh, there are a bunch of questions actually to go through. Maybe we should actually plan a part two also of this discussion to continue, you know, down the funnel. That. But I'm enjoying the, <clears throat> the talk with Tammy. I would just yeah, add yeah. another, you know, to the listeners. There's another thing that uh, really people uh, keeps missing. ROI mm -hmm. and ROAS, going back to the topic of the conversation, uh, <laughs> you have to, when you measure it, you have to take out the the store fees first. Like a lot of game studios look at the gross revenue, and for me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's, the, it's not the money that is left in your pocket. So, you know, they, they don't deduct that when they calculate the ROI and what. So please, when you do that, just, you know, take out at, at least the store tax fees and then calculate the proper ROI. Otherwise, you know, yep. it's just money that is not really there. Yep. I think, yeah. Very, very uh, related related to that, <laughs> I went, uh, at Congregate, I went into this whole quest to change how we talked about LTV um, exactly for that <laughs> reason. Uh, mm. Because it's like LTV, what's LTV? You just throw in all the revenue. LTV is, and, is, you know, it's a time, it's, it has a factor of time. There is no, and I, like, I, I, I can say it's like you need a, f yeah, it's you need a factor of time and you need to have it be net, net revenue. Exactly. What's, what's coming in? Yes. So I went on this mm -hmm, whole mm -hmm. uh, quest and got everyone to call it something different that, that I've never seen in the, in the industry. <laughs> but um, so we call what, it like, what, oh, yeah, yeah, you have to tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's MPV, so it's net player value. And it always has to have okay. a a number next to it. So it's like MPV thirty. It's like your net day 30, player yeah, value exactly. by day thirty. Mm -hmm. Net player value. Okay. Yep. Uh, nice. Kind of like that. Maybe maybe like we'll start uh, using that Smart. term in our in our reports going forward. <laughs> <laughs> the quest. The so, quest continues, Tammy. The quest continues. The quest. <laughs> it's such. It's such because it's so so easy to um, just put like it can be the difference between you know it being a good campaign and a bad campaign. Like that's it's it's that easy, right? It's like. That minor thing, which is not minor, <laughs> can screw yeah. you over. Yeah. Uh, first yeah. of all, second of all, are you talking about like a projected number or an actual number? That's that's a exactly. whole other thing. Started on that. Projected. That's a great point. Oh my god! That you see, you should have done this. Like it, it should have been a one and a half hour talk. 
the projected thing. You know, some, I, I speak with companies it, sometimes. Okay. Next time. And uh, Part two. I, I, I speak with companies sometimes, and they say, "Yeah, we have like a, I know we we have a we get a I know hundred percent ROI on I know eighteen months." And I'm like, "Seriously, are you running? Are you do you even exist for eighteen months?" Because <laughs> right. building prediction models need historic data. You cannot invent data out of thin air. So exactly. you must run for a very long time so that you can build a predictive model. <laughs> so, so, you know, if you take the, the line and you continue drawing it in, you know, in air and supposedly the R poo will continue growing, yes, that will probably get there. But I've seen so many dashboards that the R poo just goes flat. After, I know, 60 mm-hmm. days, for example, and that's it. And it never stops growing because, you know, because of live ops or the content treadmill is not enough or some other reason. But it's, you know, kind of uh, makes funny. sense. Yeah. Yes, yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... <laughs> Nice. I had to I had to like really laugh a lot at that statement. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine a colonization, uh, Elon, and a potential client. Do you even exist for 18 months? But anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's come back. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, we should definitely like plan a part two. We can yeah. even kind of, you know. Uh, Tableau has like a projected a line that it, it continues like, uh, you know, you, you look at the dashboard and yeah, they, yeah. when you activate the projection, they just dr- continue drawing the line in, in air, but it's not real, you know, <laughs> it's not really, yeah. it's not, it's not. You can even white, whiteboard data. it in. You can whiteboard yes. it like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and to make it right, believable, so yeah, guess... I'm just going to flatten it out a little bit towards the end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess, yeah, in part two, uh, you know, we'll probably like jump into um, yeah some of the other topics, you know, even further down the funnel. One of my favorite ones is, you know, how designers, PMs and UA specialists should think about formulating the right hypotheses or questions that they would then go to the you know uh, the the data guy with <laughs> um, and <laughs> uh, and yeah you know other topics like you know once the data is in how should game teams think about taking action on it etc uh, etc et so we'll do all of that in part two but as kind of a final question to wrap up this discussion um, yeah Tammy you know if there would be one piece of advice that you would give game teams to kind of gain outsized value from data, what what would it be? Oh man, just just one piece of advice. Um, I mean, I think it goes back to what we were saying, which is start simple, like start with you know just understanding what you need to measure and why you need to measure it. So. Just measuring for the sake of measuring is not enough. I would say that that's the that, that's the advice that I would give. Um, and don't yeah, don't overcomplicate things. That would be that would be really my top top advice. Keep it keep it simple at first. Don't overcomplicate, and don't measure for the sake of measuring. Like have a have a goal. Right, makes sense. Ilad, what, what about you? I will rephrase that a little bit because Tammy mentioned it a few times and we have a slogan in, a, in, the, in our company that data starts with questions. We, l- we love repeating mm-hmm. that phrase over and over and over. Data starts with questions. You, you first create, like, first of all, you know, write the questions. What do you want to measure exactly? 
write those questions on features, on, you know, what KPIs do you want to look at, and then take it from there, and you will find out you would probably just need a handful of events instead of the whole, we track everything. And don't hire a data mm-hmm. guy, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yep. let's be specific. <laughs> then let's, let's, let's triple underline that. <laughs> 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 All right, great. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to then end it for uh, today. You know, the first question of the next uh, part two of this discussion will be about, you know, asking the right questions. Uh, so I think that'll be a good, good opening discussion. But, but yeah, thanks again, Elad and Tammy uh, for coming on today. Um, Thank you, Elad, if, uh, for if, us. Yeah, no worries. Uh, if listeners want to get in touch with you and you know learn more about Dive, uh, how how should they do so? It's uh, easy. It's just uh, Elad, my first name at uh, Dive Games, and my LinkedIn obviously is. Uh, I, I really take time every day to answer people in LinkedIn, like from even from other the industries. It's 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 fun. I, I like that. So I, I like helping out people. It's kind of like. My thing, so I'm uh, cool. super happy to help. Email, LinkedIn, whatever. Awesome. And Tammy, uh, how about you? If people want to learn about you, what you're doing right now, uh, or even maybe you yeah, know have you a can... discussion with you and <laughs> about data and like watch your GDC talks and such. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have. I have a few. Uh, Especially like on LTV, like before I went on my quest, I actually I think I renamed it for the, the the GDC talk just so I wouldn't confuse people. But yeah, I have a couple of uh, data. I think it's like two or three data driven talks um, in the GDC vault. Uh, I also had did a few back in the days of of Casual Connect uh, around ads as well. Very very data driven too. And I think that they're more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though these were like 2014, 2015, they're like so relevant today as well. Like just thinking about it in like a framework of like how how can you actually uh, drive healthy um, ad monetization for, for your games. And mm-hmm. as uh, Ilad said, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm not as good at being a prompt responder but i will respond uh, i do i do love uh okay. you know helping and chatting with people um so even if it takes me a little bit of uh time to get back to you i will i will definitely do so awesome and your company's website is uh www.captain.tv right tv if you if you want to find out more about what uh streamer hosted community games are all about Super exciting. That should actually even be like another episode entirely. You know, we should even talk about talk about that side of gaming at some point. But uh, but okay, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up. Um, but yeah, th- thanks again to both of you for coming on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to continuing uh, the discussion in part two. If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at novic.co or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novic has to offer, 
make sure to check out our website, www.novic.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novic Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novic.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.